Previously on Mr. Suave Behind the Music. Cocktail no o s a m a Martini. He's quite the motivational speaker, isn't he? Let's ride! Are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. I like to think so. Even if I'm wrong. He was hasty. Determined. Snappy. <gasps> Honey! Where are my pants? You are a delusional moron. Do you know what? Go to work, get a job. Alright, I was thinking I'd take a Candy View driver to San Vicente and then make a left and go 405 North. From there, just get off m a l l h a l l i n g It's a m o The most successful modcaster in internet history, spinning the sounds that the world so desperately needs. Mr. Suave, whose name is synonymous with martinis, scooters, and modernist music, pulls up a barstool, tips back a stiff one, and with Mary Queen of Cosmos, Mr. Suave continues the story, his journey from man to legend. This is Mr. Suave. Behind the Music, Part 2. Welcome to Mr. Suave's Mod Mod World. We're continuing our conversation. This is Behind the Music, Volume 2. I'm Mary Queen of Cosmos, sitting in the director's chair and grilling and、uh, plying Mr. Suave with booze. What are you grilling? Thai food? Thai food. <laughs> you can't grill Thai food. Nah, well, I, I suppose had you could.、Um, Anyhow, we're, we're pre funking. We're pre funking. Do you want to talk about where we're going tonight? Well, we are going to be going out to a show later tonight to see、uh, RAF Mod Band from Portland. They're actually here in Seattle. Which doesn't happen all the time, so、nope. gotta go do that. So, we're gonna do that, and this is keeping me awake because my preferred concert time would be at 5 p.m. Right. And then I'd be in bed by 9.、Um, which is why I live vicariously through Mr. Suave. In many ways, you lead my jet set life. <laughs> I wish. I didn't even drink, really, until I met you and Mrs. Suave. So, I have a few questions. Talk to me about. Your brawls. Brawls. Well, there, there's only the one, I suppose, and it's not much of a brawl. How many times have you had your nose broken? In, in a fight at a concert, once, truly. Okay. And that was、uh, seeing Fishbone at Fender's Ballroom, and、uh, Skinhead just turned around for no reason at all, truly, truly unprovoked, turned around in the middle of Fishbone's set and drove his big ass fist right in the middle of my face and broke my nose. Just. <laughs> Just a momentary inspirational punch? Yeah. Okay. I was at a lot of Fishbone shows and they tended to be a little more aggressive than other shows at times. Sometimes the pit was, it was very punk rock down there. And this time I just got whacked.、Um, is this the same concert at which you lost a shoe? No. Okay. That was, a, a, that was something else. All right. So, <laughs> so you, you get punched in the face.、Uh-huh. And then what?、Uh, I said, oh shit. 
I think you broke my record because I had the new single. I think it was by the idea, but it might have been the question. I don't know. Somebody, it's the mid to late 80s. And I had it tucked inside my suit jacket. And I was really... Like the vinyl? Yeah. You know, seven inch. And ah. he, I was really worried like that that broke and my friend said dude he broke your fucking nose (laughs) and so they took me back to the bar and there were two bartenders and the guy tending bar was just like don't bleed on my bar and then this woman he was angry no but he was like don't bleed on my bar i mean yeah he was angry you know there's some stupid ass kid bleeding on his bar and this this uh woman the female bartender she came over and she was much nicer and she said, oh, you know, let me get you something to drink. And she said, we really got to put some ice on that. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And so she gets ice in like a baggie or something. And she holds it up to my nose and she's talking to me. And then all of a sudden I scream because she straightens my nose with the ice. Did she re- like re- reset Yeah, she it? moved it. Yes. She's like, had to do that. Sorry. Oh. And um, my nose has a little bump on it. It wasn't there prior to that. I'm pretty sure it came from that time but yeah she's basically kind of straightened it out for me and uh then i went to the hospital and they're like you know we can't do anything for you they stiff a bunch of stuff up your nose so it doesn't bleed i guess it already stopped bleeding by then ruined a really nice suit jacket though but the record survived oh thank god thank god i think it later got warped in the backseat of my car vicarious living question uh-huh um have you ever been bungee corded home on a scooter after a concert or is that just something that you did for others that is something i did for others fortunately at least to the best of my recollection uh i never got bungee corded to the back of a scooter but there were a number of people at different times for various reasons um, needed stability to get home on the back of somebody's scooter and bungee cords and tall english backrest were Really well together. Tall, like grass? No, backrest. Oh, on the oh. back of your scooter, you have this tall backrest okay. that people could lean back on, and it was they they were tall. I don't know why we called them tall English backrests because I I don't know. Maybe that's what we used to call them. Maybe we'll research the etymology while we listen to some music. All right, what are we gonna listen to? Well, let's figure it out. All right, let's just play some shit. Scream and shout Bip, bang, pow 
say your prayers, you critter! I'm a blasting you to kingdom come! You're listening to Mr. Swab's Mod Mod World at MrSwab.com. Hey! 
hands And your slaves fall at your feet Your millions of your back and call But it don't compensate at all Cause inside a Mr. Big, very small at the door You were really lots of fun But now you're hot and you're sitting on the top You've got no time for anyone You schemed and connived You pushed and you lied Till you at last became a star Mr. Swab's Mod Mod World at MrSwab.com. What do you want, Mr. Suave? Um, I'd say another drink, but this one's pretty full. <laughs> Thank God you don't have a kink in your nose. What are you drinking? Uh, right now I'm actually drinking gin and tonic. Mm. I'm drinking gin and simple syrup and lemon juice, and if I had mint, I'd muddle it in. But I don't. Yeah, what do you need anything for it? Mm. We were just talking about that. What was that from? Peaky Blinders. Oh, right. Oh. Yeah. Where he he pours her a drink at the bar. She wants, she says, I'll have a gin and tonic. And I, she doesn't say tonic, actually. I'm trying to remember, but. And, and it's in the morning or like early oh, yeah. afternoon. Yeah, yes. It's not a drinking time. And he pours her like a full wait, glass wait. of gin. It's not a, when is not a well, drinking you time? you know what I mean. Not happy hour or the evening. Okay. Um. It's like this big glass of gin, and she says something like, "There's, shouldn't there be something in it?" And he says, "Why do you need anything in it?" And I had to think, yeah, it's it's kind of true. Gin, perfectly good by itself. Gin is gin. I'll fight the army and the navy, air force and anybody if somebody brings me my gin. I've been thinking a lot. I'm just gonna transition. I'm just gonna go for it. Okay. I'm gonna scooter motor through. All right. Um. I've been thinking a lot about geography, the geography of the mod scene in California. Okay. And there's the San Diego scene. Yes. There's the Los Angeles scene, and then there's the Bay Area scene. Correct. Um, how are each of these scenes different, and what bands or songs personify mm. each oh, good question. of these scenes? 
Um, for me, uh, in, and I'm talking about when I was involved in the 80s and in the scene, it really was the case that San Francisco and San Diego tended to be much more 60s oriented, much more, I think, pure. Traditional. Mod. They really liked and, and got off on the great 60s bands, and they were influenced heavily by the psychedelic scenes of the 60s and the mod scenes. L.A. was too, but then L.A. had this vibe that sort of incorporated much more, I think, the mod revival of the late 70s and early 80s. It had a punk, more of a punk edge to it. It was tended to seem more aggressive to me. And um, ska was a big thing. Ska was also a really big thing in San Diego. There were some great ska bands out of San Diego. But L.A. seemed to sort of really adhere to the ska thing. That's kind of how they differentiated. His girl comes over and they watch Batman on TV. They check the weekly for a film that they can see. They get dressed up and they go out and see the late show. So you were telling me about San Jose, scooters, and mattresses. Uh, yeah. There was a rally in San Jose. I forget which one it was. Um, and there was a hotel. And uh, during the middle of the night, a bunch of people thought it would be great to have scooter drag races because the hotel had this big, long parking strip behind it that was, you know, hundreds of car lengths long, right? So it was really big piece of asphalt and they drug their mattresses out from their room <laughs> and leaned them up against a chain link fence and the idea was people would go racing down there and if anybody couldn't stop in time they'd slide into the mattress it was brilliant drunken 3 a.m thinking so was the hope to slide into the mattress like you're at third base well i'm sure there were some people who wanted to do that but that is really hard on your scooter even if you have crash bars and stuff on i mean you're really wrecking your scooter if you lay it down and just slide it across so, the ground so, so you're nobody out there the mattress well i think the mattress was in case someone didn't stop in time mm-hmm. they wouldn't totally die when they hit the chain link fence <laughs> behind which was a cinder block wall but and I don't even remember I don't even remember actually being out there watching it happen. I remember being annoyed that in the middle of the night this was going on. There were also a bunch of people sleeping on the floor of the hotel room I paid for that I didn't know, um, which you know that was fine I guess. But I, I was probably drunk, so I was annoyed. <laughs> I was cranky are even a, then. Are you a cranky drunky? Can be. Okay, will you put together a playlist? Uh, a scooter playlist? A scoot well. Well, a geographic slash oh, a G- scooter oh, playlist. Okay. A California list. Yeah. Maybe some scooter references in it. Maybe. I think we can manage that. Now we meet up in a 
probably drunk so i was annoyed <laughs> i was cranky are even a, then are you a cranky drunky hi this is john with raf 
and you're listening to Mr. Swab's Mod Mod World at mrswab.com. At this time, is this pre-zine or post or, or, or mid-zine? Um, these are pre, like leading up to the time when I was about to start the fanzine. Okay. These were the kind of things that were going on. Some of this stuff continued well into that, obviously. This always went on, this kind of shenanigans. So I, I want to talk about your fanzine. Okay. Um, but before that, there was the, the zine Wham!, Yes. It was already in existence, and this was L.A.-based, yes? San Francisco-based. San Francisco-based, And we okay. loved Wham. Uh, Liz Pepin was the publisher, editor, whatever. It was her thing, and she set the bar. It started out small and got big to the point where she covered stuff all over the country, I think. And it had, like, a glossy cover later on. And, I mean, they did a really nice job with it. So it was a real magazine. So this it inspired you to create your own. What did you think you could do differently? Was it sort of a geographic? This is what's going on in LA. What did you think you could offer? I'm not sure exactly what I thought I could do differently. I was I just thought it would be fun and I wanted to do it. And yeah, LA quickly became like, well, I could do one around here focusing on my friends and their bands and the bands that are playing at the shows that we go to all the time. Wham! was also doing that, as were some other zines out of Hollywood and San Diego and various places. And there were others around the country doing similar things. Um, I just remember that we all thought, wow, Wham! was doing it really well. And they had this sort of model that, you know, hmm. that was something to aspire to. So what were they doing that you liked? Um, well, they did have eventually, you know, these smooth, glossy covers. And yeah, it was newsprint on the inside. But um, when fanzines really began to be established, like Flipside and Maximum Rock and Roll and some of the others, you know, they, they began to get better production quality. And uh, we saw that and we thought that was great. My production quality was not that in the beginning because I cut and pasted everything on my living room table, which I think is how most fanzines are done. Um, and your fanzine was what? what? What was it called? Insight Out. The Modzine. The Modzine. We called it a Modzine. Like, that was the precursor to my modcast. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> Don't believe it all. Find out for yourself. So we're looking at fanzines. What are you proud of? Not that one. Okay. <laughs> this is the very first one, which was from August 1988. And I, I remember cutting the little strips of like tape to put on the paper. Yeah, we're going to need to. Can we post some images of this? Yeah, we'll post some images. But, you know, it was made on my uh, kitchen table in my apartment at the time. With a typewriter? With a typewriter. Okay. I would type the text, as you can see. Type, 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 type. Was it one of those electric typewriters that had a memory? No. Are you kidding? A memory? So it was all or nothing. Yeah. If you got to the bottom of the page. You put in a new piece of paper.
like the the journey. How did it start? What are some highlights? What are you um, proud of? I I started at the same time that I happened to be in Seattle. I went and hung out with a guy I met, Victor, who had come to all of our scooter rallies down in California area. He came to all the super scoots from Seattle. Okay, so when you were in Seattle, you met up with Victor. Yeah, okay. I, so I, I knew him because he used to come to the rallies in Southern California. Okay. And um, I came up, and it was I wanted to come on the weekend when they had the very first ever, and now they've had bazillions of them, of course, <laughs> Pacific Northwest Scooter Insanity. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great Like if I took pictures and wrote about this in the fanzine because then suddenly this little thing out of L.A. in my apartment, actually in Upland, California, has a connection to somewhere else in the United States. Like I have a foreign correspondent, and it was me. Um, <laughs> so was this all you, this first This thing? is all me. Okay, okay. Um, there's checkerboard everywhere and op art and... Um, you know, just like stuff that I did. So I made this and we had, of course, you have to have reviews and, um, oh yeah, the one man's view. What was that? The significances of contemporary art of which there is none. Okay. Good good writing. (laughs) Then I had an interview with the Skeletones and some really bad photocopied images of them. Uh, riding around in Riverside and stuff. Uh, yeah, so it was... And then, did I have a, a fake ad somewhere? Yeah, there has to be a fake <laughs> ad. Oh, oh, Sal's tailor shop. In the first issue of Inside Out. Sal was my tailor. Okay. I actually had an Italian guy named Sal who's from New York who then moved to Upland, California, of all places, and he tailored my suits. I'd bring him a, an album cover of uh, Modest Proposal. Mm-hmm. This is the man from Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And it's a picture of just some feet in, you know, suit. And I said, I want those pants. Right, so we're I'll, looking at the, the, the right, pegged. Right, right, Pegged pants mm-hmm. with buttons on the cuff of the <gasps> pant. Oh it looked God. like a French cuff for your pants. Okay. <laughs> it was really cool. I said, I want these pants. He's like, all right. And he advertised in every issue of Inside Out. Not just this crappy one. So would he pay you? Yeah, he gave me like 20 bucks for that. Nice. (laughs) Sucker. So, you know, I just, I did that and I covered that and I asked my friends, what would you like to see? And I had a friend that wanted jazz in there. So we did something about jazz and we wanted to talk about local bands uh, in our area, as well as bands from other places and review things. And my point was to focus on things like you wouldn't be reading about these people anywhere else, maybe in a some other fanzine but you know you're not going to get it in spin or rolling stone or you know any mainstream publication so let's try and give them something you couldn't find anywhere else so who were some of these bands who who are the bands or what are the bands that stick out to you um i did the idea which was a mod band uh friends of mine from and fontana of all places which is kind of out in the boonies and 
Southern California, or it used to be. It is no longer. But back then, these guys lived in the middle of nowhere. And now Fontana's in the middle of everywhere, I suppose. <laughs> and we got to do uh, fun things like other bands that came to town from around the country. The biggest thing that we ever got to do was Bad Manners. Um, got to hang out with them and Buster Blood Vessel is the lead singer of Bad Manners. And he is, if you don't know him, this huge, very heavy set, bald skinhead punk guy who loves reggae and nicest guy in the world. And he came to town and I don't even remember how it happened. We went out to dinner with him at the Buffalo Inn, which was a place that actually served Buffalo burgers in Upland. I managed to get Buster Wait, Blood Vessel to Upland in, for an in, interview. In the 80s, 90s? 80s. This would okay. have been 88, probably, 87, 88, somewhere in that. He had just broke his arm, mm-hmm. and so he had a big cast on his arm, but he was the nicest guy, and he came, and a couple of guys from the band, and we went to dinner, and I did an interview with them, and then uh, we went to Die Laughing, which was this local, like, very popular vintage store and she did a signing with him but that was that was a big deal for us and then of course we had a picture of him on the cover and um and and my staff came to dinner with us because <laughs> it's it started at my kitchen table with just me hmm. and by issue two mm-hmm. is laid out i mean issue one is five and a half by eight and a half inches it has blue construction paper cover. And by the second issue, it's laid out digitally on the very first version of PageMaker because I hired or I I enslaved a layout and page uh, manager, Channing, and I had two staff photographers immediately, Christina and Stephanie, both of whom were absolutely great photographers. And I had Eric and another Eric, I had two Eric's, that wrote articles and they were good reviewers of music. And so I actually managed to like put together this stable of people and I had a staff that like did stuff. So they, of course they all got to come to interviews with Buster Blood Vessel and, and hang out because they were working them. <laughs> maybe we should listen to, to some music from this time. Sure, a little bad manners too maybe. A little bad manners. A little bit.
It's my drink because I hate olives. So, martinis, olives, right? Mm-hmm. So, the martini with a cocktail onion, though, that's a Gibson, which eventually became, thanks to you, the name of my dog. Mm-hmm. My current um, dog. Who tried to kill you. Uh, but that's another More story. Uh huh. Um, so, I can remember when I first when I first met Mrs. Swap. Yeah. And she was telling me stories about you. Uh-oh. And one of the first stories that stuck in my mind was about how you and a friend had developed a precise rating system for the perfect martini, and you were on a quest <laughs> to find the best martini in the Seattle area. That's true. Does that coincide with the birth of, like, when did you become Mr. Suave? Oh, yes, it does coincide with that. Okay. So, um, eventually I ended up in Seattle... Long story, I'm not going to tell it. Um, but I'm in Seattle. I wasn't happy at first, but then I got very happy with Seattle. Which because is of the booze? And the women. Okay. Miss- specifically. Shout out to Mrs. Suave. Yeah. Um, so I'm still here. But uh, I love Seattle. Uh, but in the early 90s, um, 
being cut off from the sort of cut off from the mod scene in California, yeah, which was pretty thriving. A huge community. Right. And then you come to Seattle and that's a much smaller community and it's a much different community and I'm not as close to it. And it was gr- a lot of grunge then, yeah? Well, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it was. Seattle in the ni- early 90s was all grunge. Right. There was nothing else. That's true. Um, so everybody listened to that. I listened to some of it myself. Um, I hate to say. Um, nah, that's not true. I loved some of it. But, uh, yeah, so at the same time, though, the Cocktail Nation is kicking off in L.A., where I'm not, or <laughs> New York or somewhere. Uh, and all of these lounge bands are coming up, and this whole 60s lounge music you know, it wasn't lounge music, except for the people who were having the revival of it. They called it that, lounge music. It was Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and all of this. And things that, some of which I'd already been listening to. So, anyhow, uh, was listening to that stuff in the early 90s and getting into martinis. So, yeah, I had a love affair with martinis, and my friend Mark at the time was a big 60s jazz music aficionado. And at some point, I don't remember exactly when, late at night, smoking Dunhill Green Box menthol cigarettes, and he called me Mr. Suave. <gasps> okay. And I know, you know, that just, it stuck sort of. It didn't stick at first, but... Eventually, uh-huh. it was Mr. Suave, and I had my first website in 1996, Mr. Suave's Swinging Cocktail Lounge, because it was all about lounge music then. Here's to the losers, here's to my friends, here's to the good times that never end, here's to the boozers, here's one for the road, last chance, last call, I ain't never, ever going home. sort of shows you've gone from the the analog fanzine yeah to the digital era oh yeah we were big fans of napster (laughs) (laughs) oh my god you can get any song you want if you have a 56k modem and 18 hours to spare um yeah okay so was that site predominantly cocktails or did you have music as well it was predominantly cocktail-ish but Lounge music as well. I reviewed things like the Ultra Lounge series from Columbia, the uh, music for a Bachelor Pad's Den type series, um, Martinis and Mysteries CD, Bossa Nova stuff. I, I reviewed all of those, and I wrote pretty, as it turns out, lengthy reviews, some of which I have reused later. <laughs> Never let good content go to waste. Um, but yeah, it, it was all that what I was into then and it was funny because I learned staying in touch with people all of my old mod friends or a lot of them anyhow were also caught up in the whole you know cocktail nation revival and we all listened to combustible Edison and we all bought the reissues of Esquivel and Les Baxter and their music and because they were from the 60s and the 50s 
uh, those early things. And so we were like, oh, yeah, we can identify with that. And it turns out that they had a lot of the sounds that were soul. It was soul music sometimes, a lot of it. So your glass looks kind of empty. Uh, maybe we should refill it and listen to, to some of this music. Uh, we should do that.
So it's 2006. You are solidly Mr. Suave now. Mm-hmm. Your wife gifts you with an iPod. Yes, okay. that is true. So whose idea was it for you to start a, a, a modcast? Mine, okay. of course. Um, interestingly, I should dig these files out. I had hosted an episode of a lounge show for LuxuriaMusic.com in 2000 in which Mrs. Suave did like some voiceover for it. Oh, we should dig into those archives. I want a golden goose. Well, let's start the insanity. Welcome. You're listening to the now sounds of Mr. Suave's Lounge. Do you remember your first show? Vaguely. Okay. Um, actually, all the first five shows are on a, on MrSuave.com. Okay, so we should check these out. Yeah, you can go to MrSuave.com and you can get the first five shows. There's a link at the top. You'll find them. Yeah, my idea then was I was going to introduce people to bands they hadn't heard of, like Chardon Square and The Untouchables and mostly bands I grew up with in Southern California. And yes, people had heard of them somewhat outside of that area, but not as much. Now, of course, with the internet, much more widespread, and they have been reproduced on a lot of compilation albums and things. But that was my impetus, was I'm going to share music I suspect a lot of people have never heard, and I want to get it out there. So here we go. Um. How has podcasting changed since you started? Well, everybody else makes money off of it, not me. <laughs> uh, I never you know wanted to, and I never tried to. Well, and that, I think that started when you um, brought your fanzines to the record stores. Well, <laughs> this is this is both. It is my day job, and it's not my uh-huh. day job. Uh, this isn't how we're paying for the bread and butter at home. Thank you, Mrs. Swap. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, it has changed in that there are a lot more things to compete with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and many of them are way better done than what I do. So that makes competition hard, but competition makes you get better, right? Really? Happy? I know, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. <laughs> <laughs> should we listen to some music? We should listen to some music. <laughs> to position But do I know how to act I have no silent ambitions But does that make me a man Until I learn all I can And mean all I understand As a way I'm giving I'm a piece of you 
of human events and more than 400 episodes, Google Maps now navigates our road trips, Facebook and Twitter have become social media strongholds, and the iPhone has changed our ideas about personal computing. Only time and 400 episodes more can tell us how Mr. Suave will change science, technology, the fate of Western music, and life as we know it. Until then, pour yourself a stiff one, Mr. Suave. This one's for you. You wanna hop, buddy? You wanna boot, buddy? You wanna muzzle, buddy? You better work, bitch. Oh, oh, wrong song. Sorry. Show me the 